every day on the big show. What? Gordon and Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gordon, quick corrections and retractions before we uh, get into what's going on, where we hit the big opinions and highlights uh, across the Zone Sports Network, and we've got uh, some great stuff to get to today. Uh, However, crack researcher Austin Tiberius Horton did some uh, some digging on uh, the Chris Jackson situation and uh, has discovered some answers. And you don't mean I was researching crack. Well, no. you could have been, I suppose, but that's not Maybe. what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. In, in this particular in this, instance. Right. Uh, no, it, it says... Crack research. <laughs> <laughs> uh, crack is bad. Back to you guys. No. Uh, my findings show that uh, in the uh, year t- 1996, uh, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf uh, was protesting all season, but no one noticed because he was staying in the tunnel until the anthem was over and then coming back out. And until one time a reporter noticed it and asked him, and that next day is when the NBA suspended him. Now, I don't know if that game was against the Jazz, and that's why you thought perhaps that was the only time, Jake, but it does say he had been protesting all season. So once the NBA noticed, they did something about it. You said he also did turn his back, though. And then to to, uh, at times he turned his back. The agreement, though, he had with the NBA was – he could close his eyes and look downward to pray. Uh, a couple times he turned his back and the NBA said, uh, excuse us, you, you agreed to not do that. So he stopped doing that and faced towards the flag, but uh, did not look up. He looked down and prayed. So there you go. Thank you, Austin. Very talented. And, Again, crack researcher. If I can, I just want to read a quote yeah. from him in The Undefeated. It yeah, said, please do. This is the day after he uh, was suspended. He was asked about it, and he said, I don't criticize those who stand, so don't criticize me for sitting. Hmm. There you go. All right, so uh, we got to the bottom of it, of it, Gordon. You were mainly right. No, I think you, we were both right. Uh, should uh, we get to what's going on? Sure. Let's start I'd with, agree uh, with you, Gordon, but then we'd both be right. Thank you, Austin. Thank you for that. Uh, music let's, to the ear. Let's start with DJ and PK. They had Booby Hobbs on, and uh, he talked about, uh, of course, uh, he was coached by Morgan Scally, and he shared his thoughts on the situation. He definitely wasn't the type of guy to walk in a room and say, inward, 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 inward. No, nah, he wasn't that guy. He wasn't a racist like that. Maybe he was prejudiced in some ways. You know, maybe at a time uh, people of my color are Polynesian sometimes would feel uncomfortable around him because he might say something that's out of pocket and sometimes we don't know. But to say he's a racist guy, I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, and I don't say that. I'm more so on accountability. You just have to be accountable. You know, like what you said was wrong, just be accountable. I don't think no man should lose his job. A man have a family, things like that. But as far as my personal experiences, I mean, it was just, you know, coach and player. 
I don't feel no hate. Definitely never, ever felt hate. Never felt, never disrespected any coaches my whole four years. So, like I said, we did, it was just, you know, a bittersweet thing. You know, we agreed to disagree a lot. A couple things he said didn't sit well with me, and we've always had to talk about it. It was always a way we can get it resolved. But to say he's a racist and just come in the room and just to have such hate for African-American people, nah, I wouldn't say he's that. I don't want to see nothing bad happen to him. No matter how angry I, I may feel towards him at times, I don't want to see that happen. Now, I'm a, I'm a very forgiving person, and Utah is my home, you know. Um, I was granted a second chance. Mind you, my second chance was very painful, very stressful, and I brought it amongst myself, and I knew that. You know, whatever the case may be, I'm not going to get into that. But I was awarded a second chance, and I was grateful of that second chance. I didn't know I was going to get a second chance, and that's why I was always saying accountability, accountability. Because Scotty told me when, hey, boo, whenever I messed up, I had to be accountable. I couldn't make an excuse. I try my best not to make an excuse, whether that's, hey, you know, coach, I didn't have enough sense of urgency today. I was late. I didn't have enough. You know, instead of coach, I was late, man, my alarm clock didn't go off. It's just all about accountability now. It was something that you said that was that, that, that got the public's eye, Coach Kelly, now. You should be accountable. No, I don't want to say, coach, you're just a racist. Hey, you hated me. No, I know guys that hated you. No, I'm not going to do that. But just be accountable. And I feel that he will get a second chance. I feel that a second chance is, you know, reasonable. Like, you know, at this time with the whole George Floyd thing going on, you got a lot of angry black people, you know, that are just angry. So as, as of this time, you know, for, for for you to be in the media for that specific reason, you just have to be accountable. You know, just be accountable. Hey, you made a mistake. We all know. We all know you didn't mean it because uh, obviously it's not something that you would just put on Twitter, you know, so we all know you didn't mean it. You know, you know uh, my biggest question in this whole thing was who was – um, who was even receiving the racial slurs? You know, who was, who, you know, like, if if, if it was a, a mistake that happened, who was you mistakenly sending a racial slur to? You know, because it was tons of black people on the team at Utah. You know, which is why I say, hey, man, just be accountable. Because you got angry black people that that, that can't take it that way. But just be accountable for your actions. And a second chance, you know, will be awarded. I think he deserves a second chance. He's the best football mind I've ever been around. He's the best coach as far as teaching me the game I've ever been around. You know, high school, college, NFL, CFL, AFL, XFL. He was the only coach who simplified the game to the point where it was easy. So I don't want to see his career diminished, you know. But as of now, just be accountable. There's a lot of black, angry people, you know, and not trying to give us, you know, hey, 
it's all about us. But, you know, just at the, it's, a, it's a sense of the moment. Had I came out and said something that didn't fit well with the Mormon society, I would feel deeply in sorrow, and I would accept that because, you know what? I messed up, and I see that. Let me grow. Give me a second chance. It's possible, and it will happen. It's not the end of the world. All right, that was Booby Hobbs, the former Ute, uh, from this morning with DJ and PK. Uh, thoughts on that, Gordon? Well, my first thought is that uh, th- that was a very reasonable response. Very much. Yes, yeah. very much. And uh, his experience, uh, he said he had differences with Morgan, and they'd sit down and talk. What's, what's better than that? Uh, that, that, that sounded like a, a, a reasonable situation. For Booby. By the way, Booby Hobbs has himself one heck of a voice, doesn't he? He could probably do a little radio that he does. Man, he that, does. Is a, that is a great voice. Anyway, so his experience was positive, even though he had his differences with Morgan. Doesn't think he's a racist and uh, thinks he should have a second chance. And I think that's been fairly consistent, um, uh, even amongst some of uh, the that have been a little bit more critical and I, I, I'm kind of dancing around the language a little bit because it has been consistent. Most of Morgan's former players think he was a good football coach, but they didn't make all his actions perfect. And I thought right. uh, Booby Hobbs uh, illustrated that quite well because I don't uh, believe that we're dealing with a bad person here. And that, I think, makes it a little bit more complicated because the action, the behavior is bad. But I don't think the person is bad. And I think he's Morgan out of uh, the majority of his impact on young people, I would guess, has been positive. I, I don't but, think that's uh, that's far. Uh, that's that's right on the money, I think. But this action carries more weight for reasons that go well beyond Morgan's galley. And I think that's what makes it complicated. And I would guess that's where a lot of this conflict with with players is is coming from, because that's that's internal. And um, we read it might have actually been Booby Hobbs comments uh, in in The Athletic where he echoed those and said, I don't want to see him get fired. I don't want to see anything bad happen to him. But I do feel like I need to say that this existed. And they're certainly well within their rights to do so. And. I, I really appreciate their perspective because their perspective matters. Well, it comes down to what's fireable and what isn't, Jake. And you brought up a great question earlier, and that is you brought it up right off the bat, I think, last Friday. Uh, what what uh, what are the requirements for him to lead uh, young men moving forward? And can he do that? Whether it's justified or not. Can he do right, that? Right. And I don't know that he can. I mean, I'm not in the power to answer that question, but I'm not sure. And and people, when I when I brought that up, they were hammering, how dare you say this about Morgan and throw the book at Morgan? And I, that's not what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to look at this thing uh, from a, a real circumstance. And can Morgan Scali recruit uh, an African-American young person and go into that living room and look mom and dad in the face and say, I am uh, have your son's best interest at heart and have the credibility that is required to get the trust from those parents. And to do so, does he have to apologize right off the bat over and over right. 
over again. And let's not forget, once he gets that recruit on campus and part of the team, he also has to identify with that player and figure yeah. out how to communicate with that player and, and get the most out of that player in life as well as on the football field. You know, when coaches talk about that, maybe I'm a sucker, Gordon, but I believe it. You know, yeah. I hear Ron McBride talk about that stuff, and it really lands with me that he truly wants to improve hearts, minds, and athletes and souls, and he's super passionate about it, and that message really connects with me. So how does Morgan have that connection with young players, uh, especially young African-American players? I don't, I don't know if that's possible. And does he have to – if it is possible, does he have to change – the way he did things from a standpoint of what his personality was like, where his uh, points of naivete were, does he have to talk to his players differently beyond just the use of that abominable term? But does he have to be more careful with, you know, uh, what what was he what was in, in Chris's story in the Athletic? Uh, What's up, my dogs, or something right. like that? Mm-hmm. Does he have to change his his vernacular? Does he? Well, oh, he has to, to... He, he'll have to change his behavior entirely. Like, like I was saying, there's, there's no way he can connect with you. Even, even young white LDS players, he's not going to be able to connect with them on the same level again. Well, and and, and if he they, has they, a relationship they, 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 with a white LDS player, is he going to be double thinking in his head? Oh, what, what message am I sending? I mean, it's going to affect the way he does everything. Now, maybe, you know, you would hope if he's given a second chance, it would really affect that for the, for the positive and he'd learn a lot of lessons. But if, if you're asking me if it would alter his behavior as a coach on the field, there is absolutely no way that it could not. Uh, look, broad thinking white guys probably have a problem with him too. Right. And that needs to be smoothed over. But as we talked about yesterday, Jake, any coach – any coach who's going to deal with young men of varying backgrounds, varying ethnicities, varying colors, varying everything, then he can't he cannot reach out to certain players and then be treat other players in a way that is that they interpret as disrespectful. Right. Right? You 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 have to you have to treat uh, I heard John Wooden say uh, you have to treat players differently. I get that. Uh, maybe depending upon a performance, but only upon performance or maybe personality, but not on the color of their skin, man. That, that, that's got to go. That has got to be completely exorcised from any coach. There, there, there should be a whole lot of coaches out there that are paying close attention to what's going on here. Yep. Oh, because 100%. There, there are lessons to learn and important lessons that you, you cannot let those kinds of things creep in. And some people say, oh, well, it's natural for you to like certain players better than others. Not on the basis of the color of their skin, folks. Never. All right, Gordon, let's uh, move on to a, another clip, changing gears uh, to Hanson Scotty. They had David Locke on. He was asked if the NBA champ this year will have an asterisk. I mean, I just think it'll be different. Um, and so... You know, if the Lakers win and you hate the Lakers, you'll put an asterisk next to it. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good but point. I, right? Like, you can do what you want to do with it. Yeah, you can do what you want. I mean, I think it'll be that. Like, the the world changed. It's a different model. It's going to be a different structure. Um, and it will be the champion. The best way to define it is you will be the champion of the 2019-2020 season. Like, this is what the 2019-2020 season is. And this is who the champion is. 
And that's the same way, like, I think the Spurs Astros is stupid. It was a 66-game schedule. That's what the season was. They were the champion. There's no other way to to find a champion if we can get to that day where someone's crowned. And, I mean, it'll be a really strange moment to win a title in front of nobody. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be – and in some ways, you know, maybe this is harder. Like, you've got to live without your family. You've got to build a new routine. You've got to motivate yourself without crowds. You've got to, like, maybe this is going to be much more difficult than winning a title the other way. Well, for the me, way. I'm placing emphasis on it. You know, if, if you're going to ask me which way I go, I place emphasis because it tells you the focus that these guys have had, it, it, the, the importance to certain groups. You know, I was telling Scotty, I was reading a piece coming out of Denver where these Nuggets players have secretly, apparently, been just chewing through metal to get back, and they're all ready to go and and they think they're going to sneak they're going to sneak away with this thing and and I love that I, I love that concept I love that theory I love the thought that these guys were secretly or were behind the scenes busting their butts to get better I'm going to place emphasis on this championship I think it's going to be a great story so the irony on Denver is that Denver and Utah are at the greatest disadvantage of any two franchises because of this. They're the only two franchises that have a statistical home court advantage. Yes. Over the over the years, so Denver and Utah should actually be um, to somewhat at a disadvantage. The one that's most interesting to me, and is how it's going to be officiated. So. I know officials do the best job they can, but there's no way that officials cannot be impacted by the energy in a building. Like, we've seen it, a human, I'm not criticizing them. I think that's just the reality, right? Like, there's all these studies that have been done, home team, you know, way team. There's been, you know, all sorts of stuff. That's fair. Um, and and I, I'm really curious to see how games are officiated any differently without a home team and without a crowd. And then the other aspect of it is momentum. Like momentum is crowd generally crowd rep generated like that. You, you get the crowd, you get the momentum. Like you hit a three now, like you're not putting your hands up in the air. You're not, you're not going back with a bounce in your step. If you're Steph Curry at, well, he's not there, but you know, if you hit a three, you like, like it's just a, it's an interesting thing. There was a story out of Taiwan about a guy who like slam dunked and then like screamed and everyone looked at him like he was crazy. Like <laughs> there's just gonna be a lot of really different aspects to the game than we've seen before. All right, there you go. That was David talking about. And I, I got to admit that wasn't something that I had thought of yet. How how would the refereeing be with no, <laughs> you know, home crowd in uh, in the refs here? Uh, do you think it will be different? Yeah, I do think it'll be different, don't you? Do you think the home crowd affects referees? I, I do to a certain extent. Like, I, I would hope not, but uh, I'm with David a little bit. You know, we're only human after all. Nobody I, enjoys getting booed. I'm not sure about that. Maybe I'm up in the night, but I, I think those refs generally call it the way they see it. Well, I want to hear the the crying since the the crowd noise isn't uh, there to to drown it out. I want to hear the refs ju- or the the players just whine. Don't you want to hear what Chris Paul is actually <laughs> saying when he's just in tears, throwing a tantrum Why to the referee, just, just to get an understanding of what they actually have to put up with? Why don't we mic up everybody? I think it's a great idea. I don't think they'll ever agree with it. Go straight up. That's a terrible call. Uh. I think, in fact, Gordon, uh, unfortunately, unbelievable! They didn't call the foul. I, I bet. See, I bet they're talking about that video game crowd noise uh, for this reason because they want to drown a lot of that out. 
Yeah, I don't like that idea either. Well, that's and, I, and, why and, they're and, eager to qu- do it. Quite frankly, I mean, I, I have great admiration for David, uh, but I, I don't like it when home uh, home team announcers uh, uh, do what he just did in that, that drop right there. Well, that that is pretty extreme, David. I mean, he has I, no, called a lot of games, and that's you know the one we saved. Although the the how many times can we get screwed? I like that one. Well, I'm not just talking about David. I'm talking about all of them. When 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 guys incite the crowd that way, I know it's it's probably popular with uh, with fans, but um, I they they look they screw up some calls. We all see the blown calls, but. Wait a minute! In in sight, what crowd? The the people driving home in their car. What do you mean? Well, you said uh, the radio announcers inciting a, a crowd. I mean, what? Well, I just I don't, I don't mean literally. <laughs> I mean just this this whole idea that everybody's against us. You know, I, I just don't think that's so. The case. If it's a bad call, how should he say it? Maybe it's a it's a bad call. I I, I don't know. I. I just, uh, but we're not going to play that on there's... the show over and over again. <laughs> he also shouldn't uh, just go to break when he gets shot by a cannon. Yeah, but, right. But stuff happens. I, I but saw, that's clicks. I saw Portland's uh, radio team one time. They were they were standing up, yelling at the refs, and doing all kinds of Brian, stuff. Brian Brian Wheeler isn't he the one who came up with Boom Shakalaka? I don't know. All I know is both of I them could be were wrong acting. That. Kevin Calabro, really, I thought. In that my Calabro? opinion. They were acting un- unprofessional. I'd like to see you do a, an unbiased broadcast when your beloved Lobos are, you know, down three <laughs> in the in the second half. I mean, I did write a column about those guys, and uh, I ripped them pretty good because go Lobos. Know, apparently, that was quite the hit up there in Portland. Uh, that was years and years and years ago. But that that's just my preference. I, I don't mind pointing certain things out, but the, this the whole is idea- ridiculous. The whole thing, the whole thing that the world is against us, the referees are against us. It, it, they make mistakes. They're human beings. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, our friend from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He is Andrew Reinhardt. And Andrew, you guys are still helping folks, which I, I love because, you know, we've had different times here in 2020, no doubt. But uh, erectile dysfunction does not go away. Yeah, it doesn't go away. And especially, uh, you know, spending more time with your significant other, that can sometimes magnify the issue. And we saw a lot of guys that said, you know, I, I knew I had ED, but I didn't know it was this bad. I have got to get this fixed. And we have been seeing such good results with our acoustic wave therapy. Um, guys in their 70s and 80s and even 90s that have seen fantastic results. One guy who... Um, who has written a bunch of testimonials for us now. He said, I, you know, I want to get the word out about this. He's 77, and he was seeing good results um, after his second treatment. So, you know, a lot of the listeners are younger than 77 probably. And if you're out there struggling with ED, we can very likely get you back to normal without the use. This is key, without the use of medication, injections, or surgery. And I know there's been some really good research uh, done on the treatment recently too, right? There has. Uh, the science page at wasatchmedicalclinic.com is a good place to look at that. Um, the Urology Times, Therapeutic Advances in Urology, even Cambridge now has released studies about shockwave and the effects on the blood vessels, regrowing the blood vessels, opening them up. Um, 
if you had heel pain, that's called plantar fasciitis, shockwave's the first thing they do. So this is heavily studied, used on other parts of the body, and has been proven safe and effective. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Give them a call, get on the schedule, and they can come in and see the doctor for free. In fact, you guys are doing a lot for free, right? Yeah, a lot for free. Call us now. We'll do the assessment, the exam. We'll do a blood flow ultrasound. This is uh, a chance for you to ask all your questions. See if you're a good candidate for the treatment. Even test your blood flow. Different than drawing blood, it's testing blood flow, which you may have never done before. Uh, And we'll also throw in a little special gift. Produces instant results in the bedroom. I've never seen it fail. That is free as well. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Call right now, 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. That's our friend Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. We'll get more coming up next. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. I don't like it when home team announcers do the whole thing that the world is against us, the referees are against us. It, it, they make mistakes. They're human beings. <laughs> As I said, I usually stick up for these referees. They sucked last night. That was horrible. I mean, that was that was inept. That was pathetic. Mm. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. Gordon, I have a story from the NBA that I want to get to, but can I read a tweet, uh, tweet real quick? And I know before, this- you, before you do that, uh, that little sound that Austin just played, I wasn't referring to an advantage or disadvantage for either team. That's all. I thought that was the right after the New Mexico-Wyoming game. No, it wasn't. Oh, oh okay. Uh, Pathetic! <laughs> hey, Larry tweets the show, Gordon, and uh, Larry is, uh, he, he tweets me often, so I, I want to respond to him because uh, uh, I've liked my interaction with him. Uh, but uh, And this is something that I, I kind of want to make clear, which I thought we had been throughout the show, but maybe we've got to do it over and over again on the Morgan Scally thing. Larry said, on the Morgan Scally thr- uh, front, I've listened to this very radio show when they extended Morgan Scally, and you guys talked uh, about that man like he was the second coming of Jesus Christ. And now, because of one mistake that that man made, you guys, along with everybody else, is ready to burn him at the stake. Did you may uh, make a mistake? Yeah, or did he make a mistake? Excuse me. Yes, he did, and he's acknowledged uh, the mistake apologize for it and you don't think that he's learned a lesson uh, from this you're crazy all right larry i'm responding because it's you and i like you but we've we've kind of said really our our feelings the the direction we've taken in this is our feelings really don't matter his ability to do his job matters and and i i said this that i i believe in second chances wholeheartedly we all need them from time to time and i'd be more than happy to give second chances across the board i think i think we all need that uh, and I agree with your thought there, uh, Larry, but I don't think our judgment uh, to what he does, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think it really matters. I, uh, my response to his reaction is that he's overreacting to what we said. Right. So uh, I just want to make that clear. I want to clear that stuff up because, like, I don't know, it, it's it's a tough one. And, yes, we we did and do like Morgan Scally, but this this – his, this this is bad behavior, Gordon, and it's bad behavior that's tough to come back from. Well, and it's it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we like Morgan. I think he's a quality coach. I think he's 
talented guy, a smart guy. But if he was using that term, then that's wrong. Right. And that's what we're talking about here. Not uh, crucifying anyone or uh, uh, I, I, I look, the crux of it is. How how can the program move forward with with Morgan either involved or not involved? Right. Right. And how effective can he be, given that so many of the athletes are African American? But you know it affects the uh, the white the white players as well. It I affects mean, they, everybody. Yeah, it affects everyone. It right? does exactly. It, it affects everyone. All right, uh, NBA story here, Gordon. Uh, Sham Sharania reported the NBA and NBA PA have agreed to conduct performance enhancing drug testing during resumed 2019-2020 season in Orlando, but tests for recreational drugs will remain suspended. Oh, they will not be testing for weed <laughs> in the bubble, Gordon. Party time. I I guess. The magic <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, players uh, not going to be drug tested in the in the bubble, Gordon. Do you have any I'm a thoughts? sucker for grass. The kind of grass I was talking about was the kind of grass you play. That's not you how play I play on top of. That's not, not how I remember it. What did we, I didn't even say that to you originally. I pulled that cut. That's mine. That's when yours? I, when I produced the show, yeah. Uh, when you're producing. Okay. Well, you know, it was. I was talking about natural grass that you play on. Now, uh, a lot of people are ask, asking the question, Gordon, is, is this the last we will see of the NBA testing for marijuana, and will they use it as an excuse to kind of move on from that policy in the in the past uh, adam silver has feared that uh, they'd be sending the wrong message to kids if they relax their policy but some out there are saying like maybe this will be a, a convenient way to evolve their drug testing policy so to speak yeah and i think i think it's, it should be evolved uh you know i mean that this is something that's legal in some states and uh, uh i i think that should be changed I agree. Um, I, I think we can peel many layers to this onion, uh, depending on how far you want to go. But I, I think that pain management in sports is an under-talked-about thing. And it, it goes for the NBA, but it certainly goes for a, a, a sport so physically grueling like, uh, like football. And, and I, I know that uh, how people feel about marijuana is controversial, and it's been controversial around here in the past. But if, if you give an athlete an, a, a way to manage their pain that comes with their profession that is not going to end up with a heroin addiction, I'm all for, I'm all for uh, athletes trying other methods. Or other painkillers, opioids, other things, you know. I mean, I, I remember a conversation with well, Jim, Jim McMahon yeah. about this, and he was in some severe pain, and uh, it helped him deal with that pain, and I that, that really stuck with me. And, and I guess that's what I meant by the heroin thing is uh, opioids, unfortunately, that's the direction that they go because, mm -hmm. of course, heroin is the street version of you know, Oxycontin or whatever. So, you know, if it, I, I understand how players would not want to go down that road. And if they find other methods of, of managing and coping with their pain, and I'm glad you brought up Jim McMahon, Gordon, because he's, he's been an advoc uh, advocate for this and very outspoken about the matter. But why, why deny them that opportunity to do that or at least try? However, I don't know whether 
what the NBA is worried about is that in particular as opposed to its just the recreational use, you know. And there are a lot of players who who probably partake. And that's not just at the pro level. That's across college sports as well. Well, that's kind of why I was uh, why I started this conversation by saying, you know, how many layers of the onion do you want to go down right. on this? Because it's right. a it's a very uh, it can it can lead to a very deep and complicated issue. That's that's why I wanted to highlight the pain management thing because I think a lot of folks out there can identify with that because opioid addiction is something that has has really affected all of society. And uh, I think to certain levels, people can identify with that issue being an issue. And uh, the NBA, I, I think I think all athletics personifies that because you, your job is literally to beat up your body, you know. And so that can can lead to some issues dealing with pain. That's just a I fact. Can't, I can't tell you, Jake, how many times I've gotten into in-depth interviews with athletes who I respect and were really good people who had problems with things like Oxycontin. I mean, I remember talking to one in particular, and he said, that stuff is the devil. It well, is the devil. And I know and, he would he's not oh, the sorry. only one. There have, been, there have been many athletes I have spoken with about this. And anytime I hear about somebody needing to take a drug like that or after surgery or something, it always makes me nervous based on my conversations with right. athletes. Um, just to, because I know he wouldn't mind me saying anything, but look into Alema Harrington's story a little bit. I mean, Alema has been very open about it and how he's dealt with it and continues to deal about, uh, uh, deal with it. And I admire that about him, but, but look into Alema's story a little bit. It's, it, you can go down a really dangerous road. So mm-hmm. I don't blame athletes for trying to avoid that while they cope with their pain. I mean, you know, we almost, how we view sports in, uh, injuries in this country is a little, uh, it's a little cold, right? Gordon, we kind of, instead of thinking, you know, the player X tore their ACL and we think, oh, no, he's going to be out for a year. We don't think, wow, that must be extraordinarily painful. Right. You know, yeah. and, and yep. the recovery from that is going to be extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily painful. We don't think about that. We think about, oh, he's going to be out for this amount of time. Uh, how's he going to be when he gets back? I mean, all these you know, on the court, on the field things because we're sports fans and it's it's only natural. We forget, like, that's really painful stuff. I've never torn my Achilles tendon, but I, I can't imagine it feels good. So, I mean, how, how do athletes cope with that? I think it's an under-talked-about issue. Well, I've talked with athletes who have described the pain and how difficult it is. And uh, but I've also talked with athletes who who like uh, like to smoke weed because of the way it makes them feel recreationally. Sure. And again, that's another layer to the onion. Is there anything mm-hmm. wrong with that? I mean, I, I personally don't think so. I don't care. But others certainly do. I mean, that's what Adam Silver was talking about. Right. When he now he's couching it in a really nice way. He's saying, oh, I'm I fear the message that it's going to send to kids. But what he's really saying is I fear how my customers are going to view this changing of this policy. You don't think he cares about the kids? Uh, I I do. But I think that's a really easy way to (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a really easy way to say. Uh, let's make a change or not make a change. Okay, so if that's true that they're not going to test for that, um, do you think part of that could be because there are certain NBA players who during this uh, stoppage have been very much involved in that? 
And, Certainly. Uh, and, that, and if you went around and eliminated all of those players, then how many players would be eligible to play? You can look at it that way. I, I would probably think the NBA's motivation is let's, let's not overcomplicate things. While we're trying to, to pull off this monumental task, do we really want to deal with pushing players aside for popping positive for weed? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's how I bet they're looking at it. I mean, if we can kind of slip this one past the goalie, so to speak, and, uh, and, and just make this happen— uh, we don't need that that kind of distraction. I would I would guess that's part of their motivation. But yeah, I mean they they're probably thinking about that too. That uh, people just sitting at home. Maybe they've uh, been partaking. Maybe they live in Colorado or Nevada or California or any number of states where it's legal these days. And how, by the way, how do you come to grips with that? It's it's uh, legal in the state and community that you live in, but. Not legal at your job, which is not just a, an isolated issue for an NBA team, by the way. And by the way, Florida has one of the tougher stances when it comes to recreational marijuana use. Which is ironic because they have one of the more liberal stances when it comes to prescription pain medication. Really? Yeah. Read into the Florida pill mills a little bit and how that how that goes. Well, that's... So pharma likes Florida. <laughs> See, again, we're getting really deep into the uh, layers of the onion here, but... I've got no issue with the NBA not testing for marijuana going forward or or now, frankly. But I don't, I don't it'll be either. interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I don't either. But I, I wonder why. And, you know, we just discussed it. So who, who knows? But those things are all valid theories, I think. All right. We'll have more coming up next. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. We've got a Mountain America market update right around the corner. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for another Mountain America Market Update. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Mountain America Investment Services, he's our friend TJ Walk. TJ, hello. Hey, Jake, Gordon. How you guys doing today? We're doing terrific. Thank you very much. Let's talk about those markets. Yeah, so uh, today we saw a little bit of pullback as the Dow and the S&P were both negative, you know, right around 1% for Tuesday. Uh, interesting to note so far that the S&P is only negative by right around 2%. So if you drew a straight line from January 2nd to June 9th, the S&P 500 from our January 2nd date is only down by 2%. So um, the Dow is down by about 5% year to date. And with the National Bureau of Economic Research declaring that the recession began in February of 2020, Stock markets have been pretty resilient uh, with all the changes and have climbed back up, and they're right near positive territory for the year. So despite today's shakiness, uh, we've seen a lot of clawback and a lot of positives in the last three months. So all of that taken into consideration, what advice would you give our listeners? My advice or my tip for today, 
determine the appropriate amount of risk that you should be taking with your investments and then just continue to monitor that level. So a couple weeks back, we had talked about avoiding extremes and that most of the time an extreme approach, I mean, with risk, for example, for too long of a time period can overcompensate in one area for the positives, but totally neglect another area that's important as well. So, I mean, to use an NBA reference since next month we'll be tipping back off. If a team just said, well, I'm not going to shoot anything but layups. doesn't matter if it's a wide open jump shot. I've got an open three out of bounds plays. We're not doing anything but layups. Okay. That's one approach that your shooting percentage is probably going to be pretty high. And I mean, odds that you'll have some good looks at the basket will be pretty good. What you miss, though, is the other opportunities when you do have a wide open three or someone comes off a screen and has an open 20-foot jump shot or to get to the foul line. So the opposite of that being if I just come down and say, well, I'm shooting nothing but threes, no matter if I'm open or, or not guarded. Well, that's okay because three points is more than two points, but you're leaving a lot of other opportunities on the table as well by taking an open basket. So by looking at this from an investor's perspective and saying, well, I'm just going to kind of go all in on one area. Well, take into consideration that there's other opportunities elsewhere. So come up with a good game plan to keep your risk tolerance and the amount of risk you have appropriate. And like anything else, it needs to be adjusted as we move forward during the game. Well, TJ, fine analogy as usual. We appreciate you dropping by. <laughs> hey, thanks, guys. Great to talk to you. Have a good day. Back at you, TJ. That's our friend TJ Walk from Mountain America Investment Services. And that is another Mountain America market update. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured Mountain America Credit Union deposits and are not NCUA insured. These products are not obligations of the credit union and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by Mountain America or any government agency. The value of the investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible. There you go, Gordon. Yeah, I mean, it, it it seems like there have been a lot of positive days and every once in a while a negative day in this uh, sort of climb back to in the direction of where the markets were. Yeah, well, and, and of course, the, uh, the, the markets are kind of in the business of predicting things. So hopefully this predicts some positive things from like a jobs front and that sort of thing coming up soon. Yeah, a lot of the guys have told us that that the whole thing is forward thinking. Right. So it's an indicator of uh, what is predicted to come next. So knock on wood, buddy. Knock on yeah. wood. All right, uh, let's get out of the zone phone now. Joining us, he is our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, uh, let's help our listeners. Yeah, we're helping a lot of guys these days with kind of, you know, the subjects that a lot of guys don't want to talk about. Uh, that's erectile dysfunction or ED. And it is a huge problem. What's kind of interesting, Jake, is that when a guy gets ED, he typically does nothing about it. And, you know, obviously it can be embarrassing, but the problem gets worse. And it doesn't really heal itself. Maybe a guy will take the pill or consider injections. The treatment and the technology that we use at Wasatch Medical eliminates the need for the pills. It's called acoustic wave therapy. It's the anti-medication approach. It's the blood flow approach. And what is so cool, how often can you say this in the medical world, never been a reported side effect. This is all natural. It's opening up blood vessels, 
and it's getting the spontaneity back into the relationship. I got to imagine that that's uh, appealing for most guys out there. That spontaneity, you know, it's got to be tough to lose that. Yeah, um, I think guys come in maybe after the pills have stopped working or the side effects are just too much to bear. But there are some guys that maybe the pill kind of works, but they do not like being a slave to that timing. And, you know, to I mean, they'll they'll fast to make sure that, that, that it works better. Um, and, and having to, to time all of that and lose that spontaneity. Every guy can think back to when it worked like it should. No stress, no pre-planning. That's what our treatments can restore. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. 801-901-8000. Give him a call today and uh, get in and see the doctor, right, Andrew, and a little something extra? Yep, get in and see the doctor. If you want to do more research, you can go to wasatchmedicalclinic.com. If you're ready to go, put a stop to your ED call us we'll do the initial assessment the exam we're going to do that blood flow ultrasound that is so eye-opening for guys they say wow i've never heard my blood flow well it could be good it could be bad it could have blockages we'll be able to tell you we're also going to throw in free a little special gift produces instant results in the bedroom guys love it 801-901-8000 wasatch medical clinic thank you very much andrew Hey, thanks, guys. That's our friend Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. We'll have our friend Keith Smith drop by, talk a little NBA basketball. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.